Good afternoon and hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me for the next chapter of Five Go to Smuggler's Top. Wow, we are on chapter 17 and things are becoming curiouser and curiouser. And the <clears throat> chapter is called More and More Puzzling. I do apologise, my voice is <clears throat> disappearing. <clears throat> That's not good. <laughs> okay, so more and more puzzling. Mr Lenoir stared in the utmost amazement at Julian. There was a dead silence after this remark. Julian could have kicked himself for making it, but he couldn't unsay it now. Mr Lenoir opened his mouth to say something at last. When footsteps came to the door, it was Block. Come in, Block, said Mr Lenoir. There seem to have been peculiar happenings here. Block did not appear to hear and remained outside the door. Mr Lenoir beckoned him impatiently. No, said Julian firmly. What we have to say is not to be said in front of Block, Mr Lenoir. We don't like him and we don't trust him. What do you mean, cried Mr Lenoir angrily. What do you know about my servants? I've known Block for years before he came into my service and he's a most trustworthy fellow. He can't help being deaf and that makes him irritable at times. <clears throat> Julian remained obstinate. He caught an angry gleam in Block's cold eyes and glared back. Well, this is incredible, said Mr Lenoir, trying not to lose his temper. I can't think what's come over everybody. Disappearing like this and now you children talking to me as if I wasn't master in my own house. I insist that you tell me all you know. I'd rather tell it to the police, said Julian, his eye on Block, but Block showed no trace of expression on his face. Go away, Block, said Mr Lenoir at last, seeing that there was no hope of getting anything out of Julian while the servant was there. You'd better all come down to my study. This is getting more and more mysterious. If the police have got to know, you may as well tell me first. I don't want to look a complete idiot in my own house in front of them. <clears throat> Julian couldn't help feeling a bit puzzled. Mr Lenoir was not behaving as he had thought he might behave. He seemed sincerely puzzled and upset, and he was evidently planning to get the police in himself. Surely he wouldn't do that if he had had a hand in the disappearances. Ah, oh, Julian was lost in bewilderment again. Mrs Lenoir was now crying quietly, with Mary Bell sobbing beside her. Mr Lenoir put an arm around his wife and kissed Mary Bell, suddenly appearing very much nicer than he had ever seemed before. Don't worry, he said in a gentle voice, we'll soon get to the bottom of this, if I have to get the whole of the police force in. I think I know who's at the bottom of it all. That surprised Julian even more. He and the others followed Mr Lenoir down to his study. It was still locked. Mr Lenoir opened it and pushed aside a great pile of papers that were on his desk. 
Now, what do you know? he said to Julian quietly. The children noticed that the tip of his nose was no longer white. Evidently, he had got over his burst of temper. Well, I think this is a strange house with a lot of strange things happening in it, said Julian, not quite knowing how to begin. I'm afraid you won't like me telling the police all I know. Julian, don't speak in riddles, said Mr Lenoir impatiently. You act as if I were a criminal in fear of the police. I'm not. What goes on in this house? Well, the signalling from the tower, for instance, said Julian, watching Mr Lenoir's face. Mr Lenoir gaped. It was clear that he was immensely astonished. He stared at Julian and Mrs Lenoir cried out suddenly, Signalling? What signalling? Julian explained. He told how Sooty had discovered the light flashing first and then how he and Dick had gone with him to the tower when they had seen the flashing again. He described the line of tiny pricking lights across the marsh from the seaward tide side. Mr Lenoir listened intently. He asked questions about dates and times. He heard how the boys had followed the signaller to Block's room where he had disappeared. Got out of the window, I suppose, said Mr Lenoir. Block's got nothing to do with this. You can rest assured of that. He is the most faithful and loyal um, and has been a great help to me while he's been here. I have an idea that Mr Barling is at the bottom of all this. He can't signal from his house to the sea because it's not quite high enough up the hill and is in the wrong position. He must have been using my tower to signal from, coming himself to do it too. He knows all the secret ways of this house better than I do. It would be easy for him to come here whenever he wanted to. The children thought at once that probably Mr Barling had been the signaller. They stared at Mr Lenoir. They were all beginning to think that he really and truly had nothing to do with the strange goings-on after all. I don't see why Block shouldn't know all this, said Mr Lenoir, getting up. It's plain to me that Barling could explain a lot of the odd things that have been happening. I'll see if Block has ever suspected anything. Julian pursed his lips together. If Mr Lenoir was going to tell everything to Block, he, who certainly must be in the plot somehow, he just wasn't going to tell him any more. I'll see what Block thinks about everything and then if we can't solve this mystery ourselves, we'll get in the police, said Mr Lenoir going out of the room. Julian did not want to say anything much in front of Mrs Lenoir, so he changed the subject completely. Well, what about breakfast, he said. I'm feeling hungry. So they all went to have breakfast, although Mary Bell could eat nothing at all because she just kept thinking of poor Sooty. I think, said Julian, when they were alone at the table, I rather think we'll do a little mystery solving ourselves. I'd like a jolly good look around that room of your father's, George, to begin with. There must be some other way of getting out there besides the secret passage we know. 
What do you think happened there last night, said Dick. Well, I imagine that Sooty went there and hid to wait until it was safe to try and get into the secret passage as soon as Uncle Quentin was asleep, said Julian thoughtfully. <clears throat> and while he was hiding, someone came into that room from somewhere to kidnap Uncle Quentin. Why, I don't know, but that's what I think. Then Sooty yelled out in surprise and got knocked on the head or something. Then he and Uncle Quentin were kidnapped together and taken off through some secret way we don't know. Yes, said George, and it was Mr Barling who kidnapped them. I distinctly heard Sooty yell out Mr Barling. He must have switched on his torch and seen him. They're quite probably hidden somewhere in Mr Barling's house, said Anne suddenly. Oh, yes, said Julian. Why didn't I think of that? Why, that's just where they would be, of course. I've a good mind to go down and have a look. Oh, let me come too, begged George. No, said Julian, certainly not. This is rather a dangerous adventure. And Mr Barling is a bad and dangerous man. You and Mary Bell are certainly not to come. I'll take Dick. You are absolutely mean, began George, her eyes flashing. Aren't I as good as a boy? I'm going to come. Well, if you are as good as a boy, which I admit you are, said Julian, can't you stay and keep an eye on Anne and Mary Bell for us? We don't want them kidnapped too. Oh, don't go, George, said Anne. Please stay here with us. I think it's mad to go anyhow, said George. Mr Barlin won't let you, let you in. And if you did get in, you wouldn't be able to find all the secret places in his house. There must be as many and more as there are here. Julian couldn't help thinking George was right. Still... It was worth trying. He and Dick set out after breakfast and went down the hill to Mr Barling's. <clears throat> but when they got there, they found the whole house shut up. Nobody answered their knocking and ringing. The curtains were drawn across the closed windows. And no smoke came from the chimney. Mr Barling's gone away for a holiday, said the gardener who was working in the next door flower beds. Went this morning, he did, in his car. All his servants have got holiday too. Oh, said Julian blankly. Um, was there anyone with him in the car? A man and a boy, for instance? The gardener looked surprised at this question and shook his head. No, he was alone. Drove off himself. Thanks, said Julian and walked back with Dick to Smuggler's Top. This was most odd. Mr Barling had shut up the house and gone off without his captives. Then what had he done with them? And why on earth had he kidnapped Uncle Quentin? <clears throat> Julian remembered that Mr Lenoir had not put forward any reason for that. Did he know one? and hadn't wanted to say what it was. Oh, it was all so puzzling. Meantime, George had been doing a little snooping around on her own. 
She had slipped into Uncle Quentin's room and had had a really good look around everywhere to see if by any chance there was another secret passage Sooty hadn't known about. She had tapped the walls. She had turned back the carpet and examined every inch of the floor. She had tried the cupboard again and wished she could get through into the secret passage there and find Timmy. The study door downstairs was again locked and she did not dare to tell Mr Lenoir about Timmy and ask for his help. George was just about to leave the quiet room when she noticed something on the floor near the window. She bent to pick it up. It was a small screw. She looked around. Where it, where had it come from? At first, she couldn't see any screws of the same size at all. But then, her eyes slid down to the window seat. <clears throat> there were screws there, screwing down the top oaken plank to the one under ones that supported it. Had the screw come out of the window seat? Well, why should it anyway? The others there were all screwed down tightly. She examined one. Then she gave a low cry. <gasps> One's missing. The one in the middle of this side. Now, oh, just let me think. She remembered last night. She remembered how someone had crept in while she had hidden under the bed and had fiddled about by the window bending over the polished window seat. She remembered the little noises, the metallic clinks and the tiny squeaks. It was screws being screwed into the seat. Someone screwed down the window seat last night and in the darkness dropped one of the little screws, thought George, beginning to feel excited. Now, why did he screw it down? To hide something? What's in this window seat? It sounds hollow enough. It never lifted up, I know that. It was always screwed down, because I remember looking for a cupboard under it, like the one we have at home, and there wasn't one. George began to feel certain that there was some secret about the window seat. She rushed off to get a screwdriver. She found one and hurried back. She shut the door and locked it behind her in case Block should come snooping around. Then she set to work with the screwdriver. What would she find in the window seat? She could hardly wait to see. Well, do things get any more weird? Do things get any more curious? I imagine they do. What do you think she's going to find in the window seat? Do you think it's going to be a passage? Or do you think it's going to be um, just a like a gap inside like a toy box and then a storage box and maybe Uncle Quentin and Sooty are in there. I don't know. We'll have to wait until tomorrow. <laughs>
But do, do join me for chapter 18 tomorrow. Okay? And I... Well, um, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to reading chapter 18. So, come back tomorrow. Have a great day. Take care and stay safe. Bye for now.